Welcome to Changed My Mind. Over 80% of people think we are becoming more divided. But does it have to be that way? We're bringing together leaders to ask them about a time they changed their mind and why, giving us all an insight into what holds us back and why changing our mind can be such a powerful thing. I'm Ali Goldsworthy, based at Stanford in California and founder of the Depolarization Project. Normally I co-host, but today you'll just be hearing from my two fabulous colleagues. First up, Alex Chesterfield. Hi, thanks, Ali. I'm really looking forward to talking to today's guest about the science behind the changes she's experienced and her reactions to them. But I'm most excited because Julia is actually my former boss, um, and I have to say my number one boss as well of all time. Oh, that's lovely. And alongside Alex, who set that bar pretty high for our guest, is Laura Osborne, a corporate affairs expert who's fascinated by what impacts reputation and what makes it so hard to publicly change our position. Thanks, Ali. As very nicely teed up by Alex there, we're joined by Julia Margot tonight, a business and charity leader whose successful career spanned journalism, policymaking and entrepreneurship. Julia began her career as a commissioning editor at the Sunday Times before moving into the think tank world, first at IPPR and then as acting director at Demos. She was CEO of the Genesis Research Trust and held the same position at the Family and Child Care Trust too, before taking a leap of faith and deciding to become Chief Operating Officer at Hot Octopus, a fast-growing consumer business working on both sides of the Atlantic. Julia is going to talk to us about her take on an issue that goes right to the heart of our lives and our relationships. Welcome to the show, Julia. Hi, I'm Julia Margot, former think tanker, charity chief exec and mother of three. So Julia, before we get into the issue that you've changed your mind on that you're going to tell us a bit more about today, do you think there are just some issues where it's really impossible to change what you think or at least to take a view that's so different? from the status quo that you just can't ever be completely honest about it? I mean, I think we all know that there are just these certain issues that it's just never acceptable to be known for having opposing views, you know, capital punishment, Brexit. There are so many things that in particular circles, particularly policy circles, you just have to be on the right side of the page. And, you know, if you're not, it's not acceptable to people. And that's a real shame. I think that's very limiting for for policy it's very limiting for progressive policy in particular i think that shows how many different angles on an issue you can miss out on if you're not prepared to look more broadly than at what's right in front of you or what's already accepted so how far do you think we should go from a public policy perspective in terms of if we think that changing minds is a good thing how far should we go in making people experience that alternative worldview to change minds i think life experience is one potential way that you can change people's views it doesn't always work and it can sometimes be quite an extreme example I remember years ago observing a program called scared straight which used to take young people at risk of crime so young people that are committed antisocial behavior to spend time in a prison to experience life in a prison as an attempt to radically alter their behavior and it it simply didn't work it it terrified the young people there was actually some evidence that young people that participated in the program were more likely to go on to commit crime because they felt their options were closed so I think there's there needs to be a really clear understanding of how that how an experience will encourage a mind change or, or a behavior change. It definitely won't always. And also, it isn't always about experience, is it? I mean, sometimes hearing a very carefully phrased response can be very, very powerful. And I've experienced that myself in other areas as well. You know, you can read something very powerful. We know we know that, but we need to be very, very careful about 
the various techniques and ways we try and affect behaviour change. So from a personal perspective, we'd be really interested to hear about, you know, in your life, you've given us a bit of background on your professional career and as a mum, but also as a wife and a partner. What have you changed your mind on or thought differently about over the last few years that you perhaps had had different views on earlier in life? This was a really interesting question for me because there's lots of things in my work that I've changed my mind about. But there's really only one really big thing that I changed my mind about in my personal life. And that was the decision to get married and really the belief in the importance of marriage. You know, I grew up with many objections to the idea of marriage. You know, looking around me, obviously, there's very strong evidence that, to my mind, then that it doesn't work. The divorce rate's so incredibly high. And many, many couples in my parents' generation stayed married but were really unhappy, you know, and it's difficult to say that publicly but it's true and my own parents divorced when I was 20 and my dad is gay and that didn't give me a particular sense that marriage had been a great idea for them you know others in my close family had open relationships or or divorced or had been widowed early so I didn't grow up with that positive example but also as a kind of left-wing feminist writing for progressive policy organizations the idea of marriage felt very anarchic and patriarchal and gender normative and unfair to women and I read and saw and wrote about lots of evidence that it was not a good institution in society for people that wanted to see things move forward and it wasn't great for women and women's careers tended to suffer after they got married and had kids and I felt that marriage as an institution spread a message about what family life should be that was really really unappealing to me and fundamentally wrong and I wrote and published about that publicly as well as in my own life choosing not to get married And I had two children with a partner who I was absolutely adamant I would never marry. And I never, never wanted to marry. The whole idea of wearing a ring to show that you're owned and changing your name and identity to that of your husband. The idea of being a wife, you know, and I felt that by choosing to marry some of my friends had sort of given up something and given into something. And that the wedding ceremony itself was very embarrassing, dressing up like a princess, acting out a fairy tale, making public promises that you've got a really strong chance of breaking. I found the whole thing very, very embarrassing. And I attended many of my my friends' weddings feeling, and often as a bridesmaid, I should say, feeling quite embarrassed for them and about the whole thing. So it was quite a strongly held view. It sounds like it. It sounds like a very strongly held view. But given the the topic we're looking at this evening, I guess there must have been a tipping point or something that made you start to consider it from another perspective. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was? So, yes, there was. And it, it wasn't my husband would love me to say that it was meeting him and changing my mind. But it, it wasn't. I remember when I, I split from the father of my sons and I didn't think it was anything to do with the fact that we weren't married. And a couple of years later, I met my now husband and I remember that he and he had been married and I remember that he had quite strong views that he wanted to be married. He wanted to get married again, which I thought was a bit embarrassing and awkward. Um, I didn't really understand it. I thought it was very, he was very traditional and old fashioned. He'd been divorced. So why was he attached to the idea of marriage? He knew it didn't work, you know, and he over time became a father to my boys. And I didn't doubt that he was a great person, but I suspected and feared that he was unconsciously looking for a traditional wife, which I really didn't want to be. So I definitely wasn't persuaded by that. But around that time, I was making a documentary for BBC Bristol called The History of Now. And as part of that, I was asked to attend one of the first gay weddings in Brighton to talk about 
about to talk about marriage and how it was evolving as an institution, which was something that I was not particularly pleased to do because I didn't think it deserved a place in modern society at all. And that was one of the first gay weddings as as the legislation had only just passed. So it was quite an interesting event. And I remember attending and it was a really sweet ceremony, which included all the pomp and super embarrassing public promises and flowers and silly white suits and frilly ties that, you know, usually made me cringe. But because of the context of the time and the kind of political meaning around it, it had such huge meaning for all those present, but also for the guys getting married, it clearly had such huge emotional meaning for them to be able to make a public promise to each other that they hadn't been allowed to make before. And, you know, it really was a a moment for me because I realised that when you strip away the kind of patriarchal gender normative stuff, it leaves behind something that is really quite beautiful and special, whether or not they stay together. And, you know, um, and it's a long lasting commitment. The act of replaying a tradition and ceremony that has been done for generations and generations and generations before is one of the nicest things in life it's one of the few really good things in life right those ceremonies and that wedding and clearly all weddings can bring so much pleasure to everybody and that's the kind of thing that I realized when you took some of the other stuff away so when you got married bearing in mind how you'd felt about it before what did you do differently for your wedding that you perhaps wouldn't have thought about doing before or that you'd changed because of the two different beliefs that you'd held on marriage? I mean, I didn't wear a wedding dress and carry flowers and I didn't have my dad give me away. But we did have a a registry office wedding and we made vows to each other that we wrote, but they were still public <laughs> displays of commitment. And um, my family's Jewish and we had a a Jewish element afterwards, which I would never ever have thought that I would want in my life but I think learning from from that wedding and I did afterwards attend other weddings and kind of see them differently and see the the beauty and the lovely parts of it and try and kind of drop the cynicism a bit and of course I realized and knew that my husband didn't want to own me and that wearing a ring which I which I do and chose to do wasn't a sign of being owned it was like a nice thing I mean not to be kind of idealistic about it because nothing has changed in terms of the statistics. In fact, you know, I think they're even worse now. But I was able to drop some of the kind of political long-held beliefs, you know, around the negative aspects of of marriage and weddings. And do you think you've changed as a result of changing your mind on something that's quite fundamental to the life that you live now? Actually, I I did learn something, I think. Sometimes all of us can become very sort of politicised on particular issues. And sometimes when you haven't lived through something yourself and experienced something yourself, your views are not necessarily as rounded as they might be. I mean, I think that can go the other way too. But I've definitely softened my views generally, which might just be part of ageing. But I, I certainly have softened my views around things like religion as well. I think that point that I took from that Brighton wedding about the importance and beauty of ceremony and tradition as being a a really positive thing in life has stayed with me. So yes, I would say I've generally softened my views. That's really interesting, your point about changing your mind more as you've grown older. Do you think that's common to other people that as you get older, you change your mind more? Or is it the reverse that actually as you get older, you become more entrenched in your beliefs and actually it's more challenging to change your mind. 
actually don't think there's a hard and fast rule. I think life experience is really important in helping people to either entrench or change their views. There always used to be that saying that as people, when people are young, they're very left-wing and progressive, and as they age, they become more right-wing and cynical. I would say that's partly true. I've I've seen I've experienced that a little bit myself, and I've I've seen that in others. You know, you're young, you're idealistic, you're inexperienced, you're naive. You think anything can happen, and you don't see so many barriers. And as you age, you tend to experience more of the barriers and challenges, so that you know that you're there. But I think that life experiences can be so incredibly different and diverse, particularly these days. And those are the things that really define one's worldview and, and inform worldviews. So you've told us about what you've changed your mind on, both in a professional and personal capacity. What would you never change your mind on? Kind, I mean, there are quite a lot of things I think that I will always feel really strongly about, but kind of linked to the whole marriage issue is my views on parenting and shared parenting and I've always really firmly believed that we need more equality in the workplace and in the home and I again this was one of the issues that I used to write about and talk about a lot when I was a policy researcher you know the fact that we needed to change employment practices and close a gender pay gap and change our views of gender roles in the home and becoming a parent a mother myself and experiencing that firsthand and how incredibly difficult it is even when you personally believe those things so strongly how difficult it is to deliver equality when the labor market is set up in the way that it is when socially you know it's mothers who take maternity leave and mothers who dominate all of those early years activities and how difficult it is for fathers to break in and gender pay gap is still there and all the rest of it that's one view that I've always held that has just become stronger from from my own life experience So thinking about how important it is to change your mind, what do you think it does to the belief you hold afterwards once you've changed your mind? How do you feel about that belief that you are then left with? I think there is evidence, and certainly in my experience anyway, if you change your mind on something that you've really believed and held close for quite a long time, you tend to have a lot more commitment and resolve about that that new belief. I mean, certainly that is how I feel about, about marriage. You know, I'm very open with my friends about how I now feel and why I feel like that and it's something that I will never drop. I think it's important that more of us are open about changing our minds and don't feel somehow that shows a weakness or or you know an intellectual deficit. I mean holding on to beliefs for the sake of it has got to be one of the worst things that we could do if we're trying to improve things and make things better. Do you think there are ways for people in the public eye to change their views gracefully? Obviously, politicians and certainly business leaders try very hard not to change their views publicly. How do you think they can better articulate the ability to change and then to kind of own that change once they've done it in a way that shows strength? You know, I think that's such an incredibly difficult thing. I have seen people um, in positions of power. So thinking about a former boss of an organisation that I worked with who once was wrong about something and came out and said you know I got this wrong Um, I got it wrong but I know what we need to do and this is what we're going to do and it was so powerful and it made us all want to kind of get behind him and I think when you do that right and properly it is incredibly powerful it shows huge strength and confidence to be able to stand up and say no I got it wrong but I'm gonna I'm gonna get it right now I think unfortunately we put so much pressure on people in the public eye to just be somehow on a pedestal and 
have a, an extra wisdom and knowledge of the world that we don't have. That's what we want from them. We don't want them to ever get anything wrong. And that makes it very difficult for anybody to ever admit to anything. So I think it's the dynamic, the relationship between us, the public and people of influence is the issue rather than politicians themselves. And once you changed your mind on marriage, did you find yourself or have you found yourself trying to change other people's minds on the subject too? You know, I really have. And it's such a funny thing because none of my friends ever tried to influence me in my views on marriage. No, no one in my family or friend group ever said to me, you know, actually you're missing out on something and you should really rethink it. But since I changed my mind and experienced the joys of a wedding and marriage, I've been quite kind of evangelical about it because I've wanted my friends to experience the same and because I think it's a good thing and I've wanted to see more of it. I re Honestly, I have. And yeah, I've been quite vocal about it to people. And how have people responded to that, knowing what your views were in the past, particularly those friends who've sort of seen you through your life and your previously strongly held views and the change? What do they think about that shift and how responsive are they to you trying to change their minds now? Interestingly, I think quite a few of my friends and family were quite shocked when I said that I was going to get married, really shocked. And I had to have a lot of conversations about why I had decided I wanted to get married and why I'd always said that I wouldn't or potentially told them that they shouldn't. But everyone was very supportive. And, you know, quite a lot of my friends have got married since I got married. I don't know whether that's my influence or not. But yes, I think it's been a force for good in my social group. Listeners, thank you for joining us for this episode of Change My Mind. Julia tweets from at Jules underscore Margot. You can find out more about us on depolarizationproject.com or follow us on Twitter at depolproject. Next week, we'll be talking to one of America's leading activists about how they have changed their mind on abortion. We'd like to thank our producer, Caroline Crampton, Open Democracy, who helped share the show with their many readers, and Kevin McLeod, whose dreams become real is used under Creative Commons as our music.